The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. This is episode number 72. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And today's guests are the WBO super featherweight champion, Michaela Mayer, and her boyfriend, the all-pro punter, Marquette King. Thanks for coming in the Schmo Zone today. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having us. Of course. We tried to set this up a couple of weeks ago, but um, it didn't work out. You mm-hmm. were supposed to be in town for the Fury Wilder 3 fight card. Yeah. Um, you hit me up. Uh, you told me you're coming in town. You're training for the next couple of weeks. And I know Helen wants to say a big congratulations to you. Yeah, congratulations to being on the first all-female broadcast. Top yes. rank August 14th with Christina Poncher. Shout out to Christina. She's awesome. She's awesome. You're awesome. And congrats. It's a huge deal for boxing. Thank you. I don't have a ton of commentating experience. I did my first uh, gig on ESPN about a month back. But being alongside Christina Poncher, she's a pro. We'll get it done. It's going to be good. That's exciting stuff. And Marquette, you're down here too. You're, you're training for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, just getting a little work in, man. Uh, I still haven't given up. Um, still working hard. Still waiting for the next opportunity. Really quickly on Marquette King, for those people that aren't as familiar, I'm a huge football fan. I know a lot of... We didn't of, know that until today. Well, huge. <laughs> huge. I thought you were MMA. I, I'm huge MMA. You said that, UFC, but boxing as well, combat sports. But the NFL, man, you were the flashiest punter in NFL history, man. I, I know 2014 you led the league in yardage. In 2020 in the XFL, too, with the St. Louis team, I think you led yardage as well but uh you were doing like backflips and shit and uh you know you know like terrell owens always does the touchdown celebration yeah. to ocho cinco great who's in, in boxing now too or just mm-hmm. did, won yeah. his fights they have great <laughs> celebrations you didn't even have to get in the end zone you had great celebrations i know i mean you got to find a way to make the pun position a little interesting like it gets boring standing on the sideline chilling for everybody else the whole time so i had to find a way to make it fun but you're a great athlete too how'd you end up being a punter Man, my coach threatened to take my scholarship from college if I didn't continue punting. And, you know, black people don't kick balls that good <laughs> in America, so it's a little different. But, I mean, I was actually pretty good at it, so he made me stick with it. Yeah, you, you were definitely really good with it, man. <laughs> I don't even know how – how do you – hang time's an important thing in NFL punting yeah. and, uh, like, getting in the pockets and making sure that it wouldn't go in the end zone, but within, like, coffin – corner punts yeah. is that right Matt, yeah. I, I got my Madden game on so. <laughs> <laughs> nah it's I mean I always try to find a way to make my job interesting so like I'll put trash cans in the corner to uh what you call it where the end zone and the five yard line are and yeah. I just try to aim to drop it in the trash can and sometimes like even when I was in Denver like the fans would go from watching the whole practice with the other team to watching me on the field by myself just trying to aim it in the trash can and I get so close to get crazy out there. Yeah, you're rocking an Oakland A's jersey. You played for the Raiders, but the Oakland Raiders are now here in Vegas. Could you imagine playing for the Vegas Raiders? I thought I was going to play for them at one point. Yeah. <laughs> thought I was, but nah, not now. It ain't happened. How come? I don't know. Some people, I mean, things just happen. Some people like you, some people don't, and you just got to keep doing what you do. Just like with your fan base, like, there's some people that probably don't like you, some people that do like you, but you continue to be who you are as a person and you'll attract the people that you need to attract. It's crazy too, because with your sport too, in particular, the fucking politics that are involved with it. Like like Tim Tebow, oh Tim God. Tebow on a roster before <laughs> Colin Kaepernick in terms of just skill set for that position, quarterback. I know he's a tight end now, I if mean, he makes the team. but Maybe I need to go to church a little more, it might happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if politics in every sport. I like, know. I agree. He tries to be like, I wish I was in boxing because they let you be who you are. And blah, blah blah. I'm like, listen, there's politics in boxing too. I don't really fully understand the politics of the NFL. Like, I don't really know if your personality and you being this, um, you know, a little bit more of a out there kind of punter <laughs> and like, you know, doing celebration dances. I don't know if that has an effect on you know anyone wanting to pick you up or sign you, but you always say like in boxing they like embrace that they want yeah. that like we need that so i don't know i mean i hope that's not the reason because at the end of the day we're both in a sport for entertainment right it's entertainment at the end of the day true at the end of the day though too like punters and kickers are just known for being like somewhere, so yeah, like a quarterback quiet. can celebrate and do flips but not the punter well kind of not I'm asking. Well, fuck. <laughs> well, Pat McAfee's crushing it right now with his podcast. He's, He's a punter. Killing it. He's, He's killing, killing it. it. That's my boy. That's my boy. He's killing it. He's outgoing. Yeah. He's outgoing. But the politics for you is sometimes just getting on the squad. The politics for you, it's it doesn't matter how well you perform in there in the ring. Like there's three people that are deciding the fate. You know, of yes. The, yes. looking at the scorecards, and it changes. And we have this problem in MMA. We talk about it all the time too. Just the athletic commissions varying from state by state, the backgrounds varying from state by state. Do, should we take a shot? Is that is that what that we're doing? <laughs> hey, it's a little different when you cross over in your 30s. So I yeah. Can't just straight up take it down. Oh, please. I've seen you. Oh, She's but no, different. what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> like the judging? The judging. The okay, so the difference with MMA and boxing, though, is that you guys had get catch a loss in MMA and as long as you put on a good performance and the fans love you, you're you're coming back. In boxing, we still have this like protect your O kind of mentality, which yeah. is kind of like the Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, result of his career and everything, keeping that O. And yeah, it's important. But at the end of the day, like we got to change that. We got to be able to fight every the best of the best. Like let's fight. If you lose, you lose. You put on a good performance. Like people still want to see you. That's all that should matter. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, what do you think should happen? Like, do you think anything should happen in terms of, like, the judging system or who becomes a judge, like, the criteria? I definitely think you should be penalized for obscured, like, scores. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, sometimes you get these fights where you got, like, three or four of the judges who are pretty much in line with each other, and then you have one who is completely... Yeah, there's always one of them like that. Yeah. yeah. No, you should definitely, they should definitely be investigated for that. I don't know how you investigate. I'm, I don't know. But. And to, to answer to what you were saying before, just like there's so many different cooks in the kitchen, so many different promotions, and it's so hard to get the best fighters to fight the best fighters. Like for me, I've always said Another this thing. too. The best welterweights on the planet, I've always felt like right now, Terrence Crawford, Bud Crawford, who's a top-ranked promoter, and yeah. then obviously Errol Spence Jr., who's fighting Manny Pacquiao, which they is a fantastic fight. fight. Yeah. But I've Helen's always said it too. She's pressed Leonard Ellerby on this even two years ago. But why isn't Bud Crawford fighting uh, Errol Spence? You know, and and Bud Crawford not getting the top-ranked competition. Now I really freaking hope that Sean Porter fight actually happens and materializes, so we can see that PBC. It's got Crawford. to. It's a mandated. It's right? mandated. So it's going to happen. Um, it's that's the difference between boxing and MMA, and I think a lot of MMA fans don't really acknowledge that, but or they don't understand like why aren't these big fights happening? It's a huge, it's a huge reason why the UFC is so popular right now. Like if someone goes on a podcast right now, if you are like an any top fighter and you call out a fighter and you say let's make this happen, Dana White's going to step in and say okay, there's. There's fans behind this. There's excitement behind this. Let's make it happen. It's not that easy in boxing. You have different promoters and you have different networks. So like Top Rank is with ESPN. They have a contract with ESPN. PBC, Al Heyman, has a contract with Fox. And so you're trying to fight to keep your best fighters on your network with your promotion. And it, the fighters can call out whoever they want. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the promoters actually making it happen. But does it ever get frustrating like for you, for example, if you want to fight like the best or fight somebody, but then knowing your promoter, like it's very hard to make that happen. Yeah, so that sort of happened like with my next fight. I I won the WBO world title in October and I, in boxing, there's four belts. It's the four belt era. To win all four belts, you become undisputed. So that's my goal to become undisputed at 130. And so I wanted to unify right away with the other champions after I won in October. And we tried to get that fight done with uh, IBF champ Mava Hamadouche, 
and it didn't happen. And you get people on, on social media saying, oh, you're scared, this and that. And like, no, I'm pushing for these fights. I want these fights to happen. At the end of the day, the promoters have to agree. What country is it going to happen in? Is it going to happen in the UK where they belong in, in America? Is it going to happen on ESPN? Is it going to happen on DAZN? It, who, the money, everything is like, there's so many things involved. We finally got the fight done. Um, so that will happen like October, November. I'll unify with the IBF champ. But there's just so many factors that go into it. It's all about money. And that's what's screwing up the whole Caleb Plant you, uh, and Canelo fight. Caleb's Dude, got the I, IBF yeah. belt. What is the last word on that? Um, it, it's just that it's, it's not, off. It's off. The talks are off. Yeah, but like, did you hear why? I, think I it, haven't heard why. Well, Caleb put out a statement for his side, but I don't think I heard anything from Canelo yet. Yeah, you never know. You just never know. Like the language in the contracts like I'm sure no I know it wasn't like about a rematch clause I know that's a given I think everyone agreed to that I think the money was there I just think it was just like the language it'll just, happen I think it has to happen if Canelo really wants to go undisputed which to like lay his legacy down you know cement his legacy he needs to so the fight's got to happen it has to happen too and then what kind of payday like I think a 10 million dollar payday somewhere in that range for Caleb Plant he fights anybody else a David Benavides who's got a fight coming up to or anyone like the most he's going to make is a million maybe around in the million to two and a half million range like this is we're talking this about is his big this is, this is the big payday and I don't even think he's like really like pushing for more and more and more like I read his statement too yeah he said there was no rematch clause. They came in at the end. They said, we want a rematch clause. Caleb's like, okay, I'll give you the rematch yeah. clause. Okay, I'll take this amount of money. Okay, let's just make it happen. But, um, you know, fighters get a lot of hate sometimes. They're like, you're dodging your opponent, you're whatever. But it's the promoters. They have got, to, they have their ego too. They have the, what they want also. At this this fight, if it doesn't happen, it's 100% on the promoters. Because yeah, I know both yeah. these fighters, they've agreed agree. to it. They want it. I think this is falling on the promoters right now. I agree. I agree. They'll make it happen. Sometimes you just got to play that game. For sure. Uh, I could see you're, you're big in the wilderness. Big with dogs. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I should have brought them. They're here. Oh. Love dogs. Love dogs. Yeah, David loves but dogs. But I love well-trained dogs because there's something. I mean, I like dogs that are, I'm assuming okay. you're trained. I'm giving you that you're Okay, so if you go to their Instagram page, their bio says, trained enough. Meaning they do everything I need them to do. 100%. They may well, not do what you ask them to do. No, no, and that's fair. Well, no, trained, what like, like for example, like when I watched one of your Instagram, you went swimming, they follow uh, you, yeah, they stay there, they're obedient swimmer. to you. Thanks. Yes. I'm practicing. Yeah, but like if, <laughs> I'm talking about the types of dogs that just, oh, they see someone new for the first time that you're cordial with and then you can't tame them around them. Well, you know, dogs like that, they, they're, it's their owners. They're exactly. not getting enough uh, attention. They're not being active enough. They're not being socialized enough. Like dogs are a full-time job. They like are. they're my kids. Like yeah. you can't just put your dog in a kennel for eight hours a day and move on and expect them to like act right. No. So when you two started dating, I know you had your dogs. Yeah. How was that, Marquette? It was okay. I started sneezing the first night. He's allergic to dogs. No, he's amazing. He's allergic to dogs, <laughs> and he still lets them like sleep in the bed with me of us. Like they jump on the bed. Like they're not. Like they're very. You know. They're. They're I'm not up. like. I've had a dog before. I had a chihuahua though. Those oh, are the worst. The hardest to train. I can put them in my book bag and skateboard to Whole Foods when I had to get food. No, he's so great with them. Like, and they love him, and he's really sweet. He'll be sneezing in bed, but he doesn't like kick them out or anything. It's really nice. Yeah. And you're a big camper too. <laughs> I love camping. I'm actually talking to her dad because her dad, uh, Mark and Giselle, they got this thing where they build out vans and stuff. So I'm looking at getting a Mercedes Sprinter van and turning it into a whole living space. My whole family oh, does, wow. like, the van life. That's so They all cool. live in vans. Like, I come from a family of hippies. So I brought him on a little van trip after my fight, last fight, and he's, like, totally <laughs> obsessed now and wants his own van. Yeah. Put and a nice P TV, a nice sound system. This will be a little bougie. It's going to be a little bougie. And, and a, another thing about you, too, if I'm not mistaken, you were in a high school band. You're a band type girl. You're a music girl. It wasn't a high school <laughs> band. Like, it wasn't in band in high school. I, like, started my own rock metal band when yeah. I was a teenager. Yeah. That's you were awesome. young and you kind of lied about your age. I don't know where I read this about. Or no, I, I did lie about my age. Yeah. I thought you they never thought... tell me so many stories. He hates when I hear stories. Good that God. Talking. Keep talking. Okay, Keep talking. I, <laughs> I posted so an ad on Craigslist because I wanted to join an all-girl rock metal band. I was super into metal, a little metalhead. Um, and I got you. 
Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and so I was wow. 12, but I lied and said I was 13, because I thought, like, they're never going to want a 12-year-old in their band. Well, 13 is, like, not much better, but uh, met him at the mall. My my lead guitarist and singer of that band is now, like, the lead guitarist for Alice Cooper. She's, like, the best female wow. guitar player in the world. Nita Strauss. Like, she's amazing. So she totally made it. Um, I switched gears. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> but I'm for the better. Just, yeah, for the better. <laughs> and how did that happen from being, you know, super into music and that scene, and then being like, you know what, I love boxing, and this is what I want to pursue. And obviously, heading into the Olympics and turning pro August fifth, two thousand seventeen. It's yes. coming up, so Four congrats years. on that. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. Um, well, you know, I kind of had a little troubled. Ch- teenage life I was hopping around in my fourth high school by the time I met my senior year and um I had quit the band I you know stupid boyfriend I was like oh I don't want to be in a band anymore I don't know just dumb and young right like you just do so many dumb young things and so I partied for a while like acted a fool did dumb stuff and then I was sort of in my fourth high school by the time my senior year and I was like I am craving success like I want to be good at something like I don't want to just be this nobody like set to graduate high school a year late like nothing good at nothing and I said like let me just start by picking this back up a sport like my dad always had me in sports growing up so I said let me just start something new and I walked into the Muay Thai boxing gym that was down the street from my house and Canoga and Shoop like I drove by it for years growing up in the valley and I just walked in and signed myself up, and I became obsessed with the sport immediately, which I think most people do who like start fighting or any sort of combat sport. I became obsessed, fell in love, and within like a month, I told myself I want to be the best female fighter in the world. And this is like Gina Carano days. This is like UFC hasn't signed a female. This is Gina Carano. No promoters were signing boxers and into the pro game. Like we weren't allowed into the Olympics yet, so I really don't know what my like goal was or my plan was. I just knew I loved the sport and that I was going to make something happen. That's incredible, and that's awesome that it's like you loved it and knew that was your passion and that's what you wanted to do. When, like you said, like UFC, they didn't have Ronda Rousey yet, the Misha Tates, mm-hmm. and you didn't really know what the future would be. And then now look at how everything has evolved. Oh yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I always, I never could envision exactly what my career would look like because there was no blueprint. There was no like path to follow. I just knew I would make it happen. And so it's just recently like in the last year or two where I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, like the power of manifestation, the power of passion and like finding something you really love and look what I did I when there was no Olympics there was no pros I've done both and now we're slowly me and the other top girls in this game are slowly starting to create this blueprint and this path for this next generation and and I don't think I'll really fully understand what I've done until I'm done you know what I mean like I'm still in this mode still trying to break barriers still trying to build the best career I can for myself and so I think I don't I won't really see the full effects until I'm done sitting back like wow you're in your prime right now like this is the yeah, golden in a, in a pandemic I just thought about this I'm like why am I hitting my prime in a pandemic how did you have to like adjust or adapt your training during the pandemic and kind of even through this time where it's like what we have to kind of wear masks again yeah mask mandates are again and honestly I didn't give a shit I was like boxing <laughs> everyone's on lockdown whatever like I and willing to die for boxing. Like that is one thing I'm willing to sacrifice everything for. And so that did not stop my training. Me and my best friend, Jenny Few, she was the one 12 pounder on the Olympic team right now. Um, we were sitting in my living room, like when the lockdown just hit and you know, doing dumb shit, just like having fun. And I looked at her and I'm like, dude, I need to get back into training. We need to go to camp. We need to, we need to go train. She said, well, where are we gonna go? Everything's on lockdown. I'm like let's just get in my Jeep and drive to Coach K. Coach K was in Virginia, all the way across from Colorado to Virginia. I'm like, let's just go, let's just go and just, we'll get an air, we'll get an Airbnb, I'll pay for it. Like, let's just go and we just gotta focus on training. I'll bring the dogs and let's go. And she's like, all right, fuck it, let's go. And so we hopped in the car the next day and drove all the way across country and got an Airbnb and just started training. And good thing I did that because five, six days into being there, I got a call from Top Rank and they're like, can you be ready in four weeks to fight? And we're gonna have a show, can you be ready? I'm like, 
I just got the training camp. Fuck it. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I can be ready. And um, that was my first fight back with Helen Joseph when I wore the yellow. And it was on ESPN. And um, good thing I, yeah, I hustled and went to camp because UFC was the first promotion to have a fight in the pandemic or have a card. And then top rank was second. So we're the only sports happening. That, yeah. yeah, it's wild. We were, we were, we've been there through it all. Like we were, yeah. we were at that first card in Jacksonville when the UFC put everything and on. And without fans. Like, how was that? Oh, it's crazy. It's a different, it's, it feels so different, right, for you? I won a world title with no fans. It was Boy. horrible. <laughs> I didn't get my belt. Like, she she walked out into the, or she came to the ring with not, with not the belt. So I didn't get the belt put around my waist. I didn't get, like, the fans cheering. I just thought it was, like, an awkward experience. But whatever. I got the win. That was just step one. So yeah. I'm glad fans are back, though. I know. It's huge. It's huge. Huge. Uh, let's talk Olympics right now, too, because yeah. there's a lot going on with this. And just not even uh, – Helen wanted to ask you a question, too, uh, about the Olympics and yeah. what's going on. Well, obviously there is so much talk. And I know swimming just ended and whatnot. And even, like, gymnastics are going towards the end. I wanted to get your thoughts on Simone Biles because, obviously, everyone's been kind of sharing their thoughts on mm-hmm. just her decision. So I – when that first happened and all this was like coming out on social media, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Because she obviously is the top of her game. Like she's competed at the highest level. She's felt nerves. She's felt pressure before. So I'm like, what's the difference this time? And so I texted my good friend, Eddie, who was uh, um, supposed to be on the Olympic team this year, but he injured himself right before. So I messaged him and I'm like, what's going on with Simone Biles? And he explained it to me. And this was right before she came out with the whole twisty statement. And she's like, it's hard to explain to people who don't do gymnastics, but she got the twisties. And it's basically like you you lose track of how many flips you're doing in the air, and so it becomes dangerous because you, you land wrong. And because she's doing such a high level of gymnastics, it was really, really dangerous to get the twisties at that stage. So, And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait till she comes out with that statement because I can understand that. I don't do gymnastics, but if there's this thing called the twisties where – I lose track just watching Simone Biles flip. Yeah. If she's losing track about how many uh, flips she's on and landing wrong with her level of gymnastics, I mean, she could snap her leg off. Like, who knows what she could do? So that's what she had to make that decision and that call. And obviously for the medal, but also for her physical health, she wants yeah. to continue to do gymnastics. Yeah, I mean, for me, I know mental health is a is a, is a thing. Like it's being transparent. I know like Kevin Love came out a couple of years ago in the NBA and spoke about it too. I think there's two sides everyone looks at. Everyone's like, okay, is she doing this now because she's afraid, uh, fear of losing, abandoning your teammates, that type of thing. Uh, mental health, like where does that stand? And then the other side of coin is, okay, let's be transparent with, you know, this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm going through right now. I just think the communication, like what you just said about yeah. breaking it down for people and understanding, I think there's always two sides to a story and different ways to explain it. I feel like that's been lost in translation. Mental health is like a really broad statement and there's still so many people who don't like give it any credibility. And I'm not that type of person. My best friend, Jenny, like I just spoke about, she suffers with major OCD. And I, this is my first experience with someone I really care about and mental health. And it is so real and it's so hard. And so, but her, there's so many different types of mental health. Like when you say mental health, that's very broad. Right. And it's hard for people to understand that who's who's never maybe had a friend or someone close to them and they've had to experience it. That's why I wanted her to come out with a twisty statement because that just made more sense to me. And there's still some people, judgment, judgmental people who are like, oh, mental health, blah, blah, blah. But there's so many different forms. And it's the Olympics. It's every four years. It's the biggest stage too. So anyone can run off with a narrative, especially if it's coming out on that stage when you have all the biggest lights on you for that one time every four years. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so much pressure in that moment, but if her mind wasn't right to like land the type of, I mean, she's doing gymnastics. That's harder than what the men are doing. Like the shit she's doing is crazy. So if I knew I couldn't land, right. I'd probably do the same thing. We don't, we'll never know. It's, it's internal. Everyone has their own story and we can't really just judge because we don't really don't know the situation. For sure. But as a pro athlete and being the top of your sport, like how do you deal with sometimes now in that social media era where you say, like, for example, you know, if you're trying to make a fight or like the Caleb Plant Canelo and then 
just fans just start like attacking the athlete or the fighter no i've gotten that i especially got that in my last fight when we didn't make i was supposed to, to unify with meva hamadouche this last fight when i fought about a month ago against uh erica farias yeah. And they were like, oh, she's scared, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, motherfuckers, I've been the one pushing for the unification. Like, I am, that is not the case. But when the fight doesn't happen, they love to blame the fighter. Um, but, and Coach Al has definitely instilled this in me, let them talk, don't respond. Your fans and your supporters will, will respond for you. They'll back you. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, the truth is going to be exposed. So, like, look, I could have gotten all pissed off at all the fighter, all the, the fans who are talking shit to me on Twitter or whatever, saying I was scared, but the fight's happening. So maybe I take, like, I had to deal with, like, a few months of shit talk, but at the end, at the end of the day, the truth comes out. The fight's happening. So, you know, you just can't pay attention to any of that, and it's hard. you got to have a thick skull. Like, you really have to have thick skin in this sport, in any kind of combat sport. No one, even gymnastics, like, if that was a fighter, imagine the... Like, she's dealing with some backlash, but that's, like, a very Americanized sport, very respective sport. When it comes to fighting, we have some asshole fans. Like, we have the greatest fans, but we have some hardcore asshole fans. Like, they will just say whatever. They're, right. they, yeah. they're the worst. You're just modern-day gladiators for that. Especially yeah. on Twitter. They, Twitter is horrible. Toxic. Yeah. So toxic. <laughs> <laughs> the worst shit. No, what's good about you too, though, is obviously you're cerebral. At your, you're at the top of your craft, and you got these broadcasting duties too, so you can diversify. But what I find such an interesting topic in combat sports is fighter pay, not just MMA but boxing too. And you see a lot of MMA male fighters going into boxing for the big paydays. Obviously, everyone talks about Jake Paul, Logan Paul, the money fights. Mm -hmm. But what I find very fascinating right now, someone I think you're friends with, Clarissa Shields, is going from the boxing world to the MMA world, and a lot of the reasons behind it is money. Yeah, so boxing, I mean, if you're going to, if you already have a name and you want to switch over into boxing these days, like, look at, like, like you said, look at Jake Paul. It's a lot of like uh boxing people who have been in the sport a long time think it's bad and they think that all oh, this is ruining the sport this is ruining the purity of the sport but this is just the new day and age right like you got to keep up with the times this is social media it, it actually shows how important social media is how much building your brand how that how important that is and so yeah there's some top mma fighters who can cross over to boxing and get a get a good payday but it still is really hard to get up to the level of like pacquiao mayweather spence right now the money that they're making um and even more so for women it's just the money is way less for women and we're working on changing that girls like clarissa clarissa me um katie taylor a lot of the top girls around the world right now are working on closing that pay gap but it's still a constant struggle and um we'll see but i see why clarissa shields is making the transition you know she's trying to make the most of her career athletic career while she still can you can't fight forever and i think it's great and do you think more women are going to do that um, if they can, well, so here's the thing. I was going to cross over into MMA after the Olympics because no promoter was asking to sign me. Um, we weren't being put, no, like, promoters were not signing women. And we weren't being put on TV. And I'm looking at the Ronda Rousey's and everyone. I'm like, okay, so they're getting the respect. They're getting the TV time. They're getting the money. Like, I'm a hustler. So I'm just going to go and do what I got to do to get to make the most of my career while I can. And I sat down with Top Rank last minute and I got signed by, in my opinion, the best promoter in the world. And I have a great platform and network fighting on ESPN. And so I didn't have to make that transition. But promoters still aren't signing women as much as I thought they would by now, right? I'm still Top Rank's only female. PBC Al Heyman is not interested in signing a female. I don't know why. Um, we're proven to be a sell. Like, there's some great, really talented women out there. It's changing. Uh, Matchroom, Eddie Hearn in the UK is the only one really signing and ha really has, like, a handful of women on their roster. So that's great, but it really just hasn't grown as much as I would have expected it to grow by now. So I don't blame people for transitioning to MMA because the women are getting their respect there. The promoters are respecting them. That's what surprised me, too, because it was, like, less than a decade ago uh, when you never thought you would see a UFC, the UFC promotion, have female fighters on the Ronda Rousey's and the Misha Tate's. You know, they started taking... Now they're at least like a headliner Oh, yeah. 
all the time. Yeah. Every all the time. And it's see how much they've advanced in this little amount of time and you would think it that would boxing would go with it and it hasn't happened. I don't understand. I think the Olympics was a huge transitioning point for us because now you have women who are able to compete at the highest level like the men. And so we come to the promoters with these resumes, right? And say, look, I'm a three-time national champion. I'm a world medalist. I'm an Olympian. Um, the men have always been able to do that. They get one national title and they're getting offers up the ass. Like, okay. The bronze bomber. He's got a nickname out of it. Deontay Wilder. Yes. And so women, I think now because women were only inducted into the Olympics in 2012, it's still, it's still very new. But it's got to change. There's no denying us. I always say this. That it's going to make a change because – the talent pool is just too deep now. You have these young women competing at the highest possible level. There's so many of them. Um, there's, It's going to change eventually. It's just sad that it's taking these promoters like so long to adapt. Well, what do you think it will take in order for it to change and for, like you said, more promoters to be more open-minded to signing females? Just time. Yeah. I honestly just, like I said, like having the platform of the Olympics and being able to compete at the highest level – it's going to take girls like me, girls like Clarissa Shields, girls like these top girls just trying to diving their way, trying to make the best of their career while they can and slowly creating this blueprint, slowly proving to the world that we have the skill and the ability. Um, it's just going to take one one great fighter at a time. But I, I don't think we'll reap the benefits of our work. I think the next generation will or the generation after that. So what's the blueprint for your greatness? What What's it going to take for Michaela Mayer to be – that face of boxing to be to take the next step for your own personal growth and your career growth for you to be at the level you want to be I think that I'm in the perfect position now I've put myself in position I have a great promoter I'm fighting on ESPN I have the world title one world title and I'm in position now and so like my fights the next fights the next few fights that I have are going to be a huge game changer for me they're going to make or break my career so I'm just going to stay focused keep doing what we're doing um, and go go undisputed at 130 and be able to move up to 135 and challenge girls like Katie Taylor and the other top girls in this game and just sort of just show the world that, you know, I'm one of the best and that leave my legacy. That's what I was going to get yeah. at too because I, I figured you would say that and mm -hmm. I figured you clean out or you get that undisputed at 130, the next logical thing would be you and Katie Taylor, yeah. that's a huge fight. Yeah. And I've heard Eddie, Eddie Hearn say that. He's like, whoever goes, and he's hoping that, you know, his girl, uh, what's her name? We know her name. Harper. She goes undisputed, and he gets that fight because he has Katie Taylor and her on his, their roster. So, you know, and they all want to keep their, they yeah. keep everyone <laughs> in their turf. But right. um, I do believe with, like, every inch of my soul that I will become undisputed at 130. And I've always imagined myself fighting Katie Taylor, being the one to beat Katie Taylor, and that's going to be a huge fight for women's boxing. And, yeah, definitely a goal of mine. 100%. And, and, and that's where, like, when you're at the top of your craft in any sport, football, basketball, like, you could be undrafted, you could be any university, or for your sake, you keep winning, you become the undisputed, the, the lineal champion, whatever. The You can't be denied. The right fights, the best fighters going to be made for you, the team, the coach, the GM, they're gonna find you. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, at the end of the day, the skills do pay the bills. Skills pay the bills and Coach Al always says, like, it's not just enough for you to win. Like being a female, you have to like perform. You have to look good. He's like, I know you're gonna win, but you have to look good. You have to look better. You have more to prove. And women in these combat sports, they do. Like they can't just ride off one national championship. Like they have so much more to prove. They have to hustle can't rely on a million dollar payday and just coast to the next fight. We're constantly hustling. Social media, everything. So it's cute. It's huge. Social media is the constant hustle. Yeah. And our industry too in journalism. Like we recognize from the very beginning you have to utilize social media. People aren't sitting down and I'm no offense to like the athletic, but how many people are you gonna get signed up behind a paywall to read articles that are in this 18 to 25 year old age demographic people want content they want short form video content mm -hmm. they want entertainment and like social media it has just as much reach if not more reach it does have more reach than anything you can do on a normal television broadcast or just any written well, article look at the celebrity boxing right now yeah yeah it's huge and isn't She's lamar cool. odom fighting riddick bow i read bow yeah that's what i told you today mm. that's the old heavyweight champion right yeah yeah, yeah. 
I want to hate on it because I'm like, dude, but I don't really hate on it because I don't hate on anyone's hustle. I just don't. That's Vitor, why I'm training him. Vitor so Bell. he's going to box? Are you going to box? Well, we see him training with me. If I ain't going to pick no bundle team, I might as well do something else. But cool. I do music too, so like I got several things <laughs> cooking up, you know? Well, we're training on, I'm training a lot. Most of the time we hang out, I'm in training camp or whatever. So when he comes to see me, he gets in the gym and he boxes and, you know, it's fun, whatever. No, nah, it's super fun. Super fun. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm still working to get back to playing. I still know a couple of people that's in there. And um, I don't know. This helps out a lot. Just boxing training helps out a lot. Are you getting any calls for training camps and stuff like that? Because this is the time of year. <clears throat> I know. Not right now. It's different for vets. I think a lot of vets. Um, teams like to see what they got during training camp right now. And um, after training camp, once the season starts, once they get ready to play the first week, they start to evaluate who they got. And it's like, uh, well, I don't know if I felt so comfortable with this guy, but we can depend on this guy. So, In the politics, too, with the COVID stuff going on, too, if you're not vaccinated and you're a veteran, I feel like you're getting, like, no opportunities. I mean, I don't know, though. I mean, honestly, though, I don't know. I put so much work into what I've done and being ranked the fourth best all-time in history right now, like, period. There's no excuses for it. So It's insane. I know. I know. It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And, yeah. and I'm glad you said it before I could say it, too. It, like, everyone talks about how Colin Kaepernick makes no sense. Yeah. You make no sense, too. <laughs> it, like, they don't talk wild, about man. that, too. It's wild. Why do you think, though? Like, what do you think the reason is? is because I've only Colin? heard his reasoning. <laughs> well, I'm, like, wondering what a good fan, like, what do they from think From my the standpoint, is? too, I mean, he's a showman. Right, he's doing things at that position that they just expect you. Hey, put your helmet on in the game. You're only there. It's fourth and eleven. You yeah. know, we we need to we need to pin these guys back deep in their own territory. That's your job, Marquette. Man, this guy was flashy, and I feel like you could run with the <laughs> ball too, then, so. and and, sne- and sneak plays. <laughs> like I've seen you run with the ball too. I've seen yeah. I've seen I've seen some very athletic plays out of you. I think he was doing things transcending the position, and I mean. Just like how Michael Vick, when he was a quarterback, uh, he came swaggy. out of Virginia Tech, swaggy, Atlanta. I mean, it, he wasn't embraced right away. There were some mm-hmm. old-school minds thinking, no, he needs to be a pocket passer and sit there. But, look, his coaching staff, I think it's Dan Reeves, you know, give, give him all credit at the time. He, he's the one who drafted him. Um, they allowed him to be himself. I don't think he's ever been in a position where he could fully be himself <laughs> as a punter. That's true. That's true. And it's, it's so aggravating because at the end of the day, coaches recruit pro players to play and perform. The coach just gives, gives the advice. They tell them what they want done. But then the, per, like, the player themselves, like, they get it done the way that they want to get it done to help the coach keep their job. And, <laughs> hey, it's honest. It's real shit. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like I celebrate, but because y'all want me to kick a fucking ball all fucking day, like, I gotta find a way to make this job exciting some kind of way, right? So. Well, it's entertainment, so you think they would want people to be excited about you kicking and like you be excited about you on the team. That's what I don't understand coming from boxing, where like yeah. they love it. But you know what? <laughs> I've never, it. I've never celebrated and did all that for the people. I've done it because it's what I do. If you go back and look at the old uh, tapes when I first started playing, I was celebrating before and. Uh, the more games you start to win, they just start, I guess the people on with the TV cameras just start finding shit to just find whatever the hell of it. So they caught me dancing. I was saying this to someone. I think in a football game, three and a half, four hour broadcast, there's actually only like 11 and a half minutes of actual game action. God. The rest, it's all cameras, football. it's commercials and shit. <laughs> so I don't watch football. I didn't know who he was when I met him. I don't watch football either. So how did you guys meet then? Yeah. Well, oh my God. we actually met. I don't know why you're so ashamed of this story. Nah. <laughs> it's it's 2021. We met on a dating app. Of course. Called Raya yeah. for people in the entertainment industry. Okay. It's, oh. you know, a little bit more like high profile than like, tw- you know, Tinder, Twitter, Tinder. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we met on that. There's a lot of athletes on there. There's musicians on there, whatever. And so uh, we, I was in, you know, I do my training camps in Marquette, Michigan. And so I was in Marquette, Michigan. I re- swipe in, and I come across Marquette King, and I'm like, hmm. It's kind of funny. Got to. Got to swipe right. I got to. <laughs> I had to like that. His name is Marquette, and I'm in Marquette. And um, he's a king. Yeah, and he's a king. Good last name. <laughs> Go with that. And that was it. We matched with me like a couple weeks later, and then came out to my two fights ago, my world title fight. 
and just party with my friends all night until I finished fighting and I met up with him. And if you can party with my psychotic girlfriends all night, then you're a winner. That's so cute. It's a great story. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. take my shot to okay. that story. Okay, fine. Second uh, shot. A good <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one with my chaser over here. God damn. Yeah, it's uh, tequila. No, it's an opera. But that's a uh, no. That's a great story. I know. Yeah. Um, we we met um, Pacquiao and Broner fight. Wait, are you yeah. guys dating? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, we okay. I, we lived together. We've been what? together two and a half years. Two and a half years. That's tight. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I know. We always people <laughs> funny because in public, like we still kind of have to act. But we're, I'm with her all the time. Like we're, well, we live together and glued. we're glued. <laughs> so it's like it's not like a typical relationship where we're going months apart or whatever. But or like yeah. someone has like a nine to five and we're someone's gone for eight hours. No, it's like we do. Everything I film together. for her. She films for me. <laughs> but that's so helpful. Like yeah. he's so good at social media and he's constantly catching me doing stuff. I'm like, yes, fucking thank you. Like I need someone there like filming me doing stuff. But we do have a long distance relationship because he lives in um, Phoenix. And I live in Colorado. Oh, well, we started off long distance. Yeah. For the first couple months, because I was yeah. living in L.A. at the time. I lived okay. there for seven years before I moved out here two and a half years ago. I mean, it can turn into that. She just got to train the dogs a little bit better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dogs can be running on the le leather couch. Okay, well, stuff. like, listen, this is the thing. You just can't have a leather couch. It's like <laughs> I'm never going to train my dogs not to get on the couch. Like, I've had them if they're two and three years old. They already know it's okay to get on the couch. Yeah. So it's like I can't just start that now. And then what, at my house, they're allowed on the couch and yours they're not? I, I, I understand That's both sides here. Between you and me, <laughs> when I train dogs, I, no couch. But but they get <laughs> to a certain point. Like, you can't you can't train them for one couch, not the other. She's already committed to it, and yeah, she can't retrain them now. That's why I say my dogs are trained enough. Because for me, I don't mind my dogs on the couch. Like, I... I was totally okay with that. So it's not that my dogs aren't trained. I let them come on the couch. Like, yeah. I let them sleep in the bed with me. But I'll get you a really nice couch cover. <laughs> hey, that works. Is, is, <laughs> that can work. is, is the couch the deal breaker thing? No, it's not, not at all. Not at all. I'll just okay. be talking shit. I'll talk shit. <laughs> I mean, no, I, mean, I still so got, I got a guest house too, though, so. She can stay down there right now. Okay. If it gets to that point. Are you in Phoenix or like Scottsdale, Glendale? Like I'm in Phoenix. Phoenix. Because yeah. his parents live in. My Scottsdale. parents are tied out there. I went to school at U of A in Tucson, so I, I love oh I love Arizona. It's a huge man. rivalry between U of A and ASU. When it is, but like growing up outside of Chicago, the rivalry to me was like the White Sox and the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would pick on me because I lived on the north side, but I was a I'm a diehard White Sox fan. That's tight. So I, I like when everyone hate on me for that, but the you know White Sox are first place and the black and white. Don't ask me about anything other than boxing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, no. We 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 talk about boxing MMA. Like that's. Well, speaking of boxing, and earlier you mentioned like celebrity boxing and stuff. What's your take on bare knuckle boxing? Oh well, I actually was sparring with um i want to say her name right christina feria okay oh about? yeah yeah, yeah she's out here uh -huh. I, th I don't think i said that wrong but she's awesome she's so cool and she gave me a ton of sparring for my last fight going into vegas and we talked about that and that is brutal I, she i mean the only thing i i would fucking do it because i'm just don't give a shit about anything like pay me and i'll do it but she was telling me that your hands Yes. Like, I know Top Rank would never allow me to take a bare knuckle fight because you could seriously get injured. Like, right. your hands, my hands are hurting in my last fight, and I have eight ounce gloves on. So I couldn't imagine. Did you see the photo of Paige Van Zandt's swollen hands? Yes, after the fight? exactly. Yeah, my hands were swollen so after painful. with gloves on. So I couldn't imagine, like, having them swollen, like, with no gloves. Like, that's crazy. What do you make of the boxing level of competition, too? Because I'm, and just, we see the MMA fighters, and obviously the Pauls are picking MMA fighters, not boxers, to go against. Do you see it as the same high level of boxing? From No, it's definitely a little lower. I think people going into um, bare knuckle, they are maybe transitioning from MMA, so they're not full-on boxers, or um, they don't really have like the skills to compete with the highest level in boxing, so they're crossing over into bare knuckle. But I think that's just because it's like the earlier stages of bare knuckle. Like who knows where it'll go from here? Because they are exciting fights. Like 
it's pretty exciting when you see people hit each other in the face with like no gloves on and you know that someone can get knocked out. So I think it's just early on. We'll see how it develops. I don't know. But the best of the best boxers are, you know, with promoters fighting professional boxing rounds. What do you think of Oscar De La Hoya's return? We were at his press conference Vitor against Vitor Belfort. Uh, I don't know. It's cool, I guess. It's part of the whole era right now with social media and, you know, there's so many eyes on it and I'm sure he can make a ton of money and people are going to tune in. I'll tune in. I'll tune in for it. But I don't know, Oscar. I don't know. I I don't know either. I don't I don't know how many seats they expect to sell at the Staples Center for that event. I September 11th. I'm not worried about the views. I think the views will be fine. I'm just like I mean, I don't know. I'm not a retired boxer. I can't imagine like retiring and getting that itch to come back, especially in this day and age when you have so much social media behind it. Boxing is everywhere. Boxing's coming back. Everyone can say boxing was kind of dead for a little while, but it is coming back and it's coming back hard and you know, you you got to give props to these YouTube sensations for adding a little spice to it. I've always said, like, as long as people are talking about boxing, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not going to hate on anyone. Like, is people are talking about my sport, so let's go. So I don't really, like, blame him for wanting to get back in the action and sort of, like, say, hey, y'all don't know me. You heard about me, but I'm Asa de la Hoya. I can still hang with the best. We'll see. It's a good fight. I mean, Vitor fought, like, most of the big big uh, divisions middleweight light heavyweight has he been a heavyweight too before I think so yeah he's fought I mean he's a, he's a much bigger guy physically and he does have hands I mean obviously it's different but well you gotta be careful when you're a boxer going up against an MMA fighter because boxers are used to boxing punches they're used to that certain level of technique when you're going up against an MMA fighter they are awkward and they're wild, and they throw punches from all different angles. They don't throw normal punches. Sometimes my coach will have me spar a southpaw, even though I'm fighting a orthodox, because like they're gonna, you're gonna get punches from different directions, and you need to train for that. That's what MMA fighters do. They throw unorthodox, unorthodox punches. Like you, you just don't know. It's risky. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then we saw the last person, the guy who retired, Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao. We were just in wildcard boxing last week, 42 years old, and we were watching him towards the end of his workout after we before we interviewed him. Pacquiao? I, Pacquiao. Yeah. Okay. I'm so amazed at the bounce in his step at 42 years old. I know. It's, it's incredible, incredible to see the shape the guy's in, and he's so regimented, because I've been going to wildcard the past couple of years. Uh, I grew up training at wildcard. So you know, and, yeah. and, and he's, he's working really hard, you know, and God bless Freddie, and Freddie's there, and he's there every single day, and He's always attentive and watching him. Pacquiao's got his whole entourage of like 50 family members, cousins, uh, mm-hmm. out of you know from all over the place. But he's looking so freaking. He doesn't look like he's 42 years old. Honestly, I love that because I just turned 31, and you sort of have this ageism. I think, especially as a woman, like yeah. you get this these people kind of like, oh, well, you're getting old, you're getting past your prime. But I don't think I haven't even hit my prime yet. I don't think I have like. And I I love that this day and age, people can still kind of come back. That's the other side of, like, these old legends coming back into the sport. Like, it just shows age is is just a number. It really is. I'm so happy you brought that up, too, because – and I was talking to my strength trainer about it this morning. And happy belated birthday. I believe it was on July 4th, right? Yeah, 4th of July. Yeah, because – so my birthday is coming up August 16th and I'm about to turn 30 but after I met David he when I first met him he would like beg me to go work out with him he's like please just come to the gym like he's smiling (laughs) he needs to work out every day like that's his fix of happiness so when I met him I was lazy but then I was like you know what if I want to train, I want to train for something. And I was a swimmer like my entire childhood. A lot of my teammates are current Olympians and pros. So I told David my childhood dream is to qualify for Olympic trials. So he supported that. Yeah. Oh. So I'm trying to train for 2024 and I'm about to turn 30. And I, I appreciate you talking about like age is just a number because I feel better now than I did 
like back then and even when I was 20 and I took 13 years off like no training or anything but now being back in the gym like I feel the best I've ever felt I love that that is so awesome and I think Thank that we you. just need like more of that because and even the, like one of my one of the other champions in this division is like 24 and they're like oh well she's young and I'll get these fucking haters on Twitter saying like oh well you're old whatever I'm like bitch I would Fuck not Twitter. ever want to be 24 ever fucking again yeah please god because <laughs> I you're so underdeveloped you don't mentally you're not there like there's so many things like and ment mental the mental part is such a huge aspect of it in general so like to have that mentality and also that woman strength is a fucking real thing I know a girl who's like i'm not gonna fight a girl with a child and i was like why she's like well because they got that mom strength and i'm like you're right <laughs> you do have <laughs> yeah, mom strength do. you have like so many more hormones going through your body as you develop into a woman and yes the older you get the better like fine why i'm like, excited about life. that yeah no i don't ever i am not on the decline I am not in decline at all. I don't know about y'all men, because y'all peak. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm still me. I'm a legend. <laughs> yeah, he's a legend. And David's trying to become an Iron Man. Okay. Oh, well, I haven't done it. I, I, the whole thing, I tell it. So I've done a, a half Ironman. I've always wanted to do a half before 30, which I did when I was 27. I'm 31 now. Okay. I'm a little few months older than you. And then... I always wanted to do a full before 40, and I'm 31 now, so it's like, I, I got time. I'd, I'd rather her do her goal first, because I could always do, do the Iron Man. I know I will. I got nine years, but I'll, I'll do one. Do and, it, like, man. look at the people who did the Iron Man. How old are they? You get better when you're older. Yes. Yeah, and they're 40s Those guys are, like, shit. in their 40s, point. right? Yeah. 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 And especially yes. if y'all have a kid. It's gonna be even worse. Man. <laughs> You're gonna get so strong, you might turn to Hercules. So Marquette is like anti kids. Oh really? God. Yeah. Really? Oh and like goodness. this is like the one thing when we first met. He's like, I don't believe in marriage, and I don't want kids. And so I said, Okay, well I have two dogs. I don't really crave kids right now, either. I don't know what I'll feel like in four or five years when I'm retired. But thanks for letting me know. Not a huge deal breaker. And also the marriage thing. He's like, I don't believe in marriage. I'm like, honestly, I kind of get that because I think it's outdated. I don't believe in the the way the law sets marriage up. Kelly Clarkson has to pay her husband two hundred thousand dollars a month in spousal oh support. Good God, it's fucking crazy. They're like new to. So I don't believe in that either. So I always say like, we'll always keep our bank account separate. Keep your house. I'll keep my house. Like I never yeah, dual residency. Yeah, like I just I feel like it's a different kind of mentality in that. But yeah different different than most people what's yeah. good about residency though in, in vegas is no state income tax hmm. it saves a lot of money true i should <laughs> i should move my residence i could have had one <laughs> <laughs> so what's the ideal play for you for 2021 2022 man so like i said before i'm doing music now um uh my music manager aubrey banks right now he's um He's working on getting me into this uh, concert called Rolling Loud. He's working on getting me into that. Um, and I also want to do something out here. I think it's called Day in Vegas. I'm hoping we can find a way to pull it off, too, because I enjoy doing music. I enjoy doing that. But also, I'm still working on a football thing, too. At the same time, you can only do as much as you can, you know. All I can do is work out. And if I ain't getting no call, I can't control that. So um, I'm focused on things that's going to bring in more income and um, I'm in a pretty good situation now it's fun to live life and do what I want to do and I'm sure it's, it'll be a struggle to be back in a system where you have to do things a certain way but yeah just music jewelry and yeah living life he living life. he I'm gonna translate that for you <laughs> he would still love to play in the NFL because he still feels like he has records to break and he wants to go and he wants to break those records and he still feel like he has a lot to prove and he was pulled too soon. Like you didn't, you didn't finish what you wanted. Just like you didn't finish what you started. Yeah. And so I still feel like you have a niche to go back and we hope a team calls him and yeah. But also, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I don't want to interrupt. I just, we, I was just going to remind that we never got his side of the story. That's we true. Got, you only got my what side. You, what you want to hear? I want to hear why you think you are not in the NFL anymore. I feel like I'm not in the NFL, first of all, is because I'm a very misunderstood person when it comes to – because even when I went to the Broncos, I sat in the uh, – we had this classroom we sat in. 
And there was some people in the room, and they were like, dude, you're pretty fucking cool. We thought you were an asshole. Like, from what? From watching me play on TV? Like, yeah, man, we thought you were just an asshole. We just talked shit about you. Like, well, I'm glad y'all don't feel, like that way, feel that way no more. But um, I think what it just takes is somebody to, to get some balls and take time to go to lunch and have a glass of wine with me, get to know me as a person, because you can't judge somebody on TV. Seeing too many people do that. People judge people off of social media. People judge people off of who they are, are on TV. And um, all of a sudden, they just assume them to be that way, even when they see them in public. And I, mean, I just need... I just need somebody to actually take time to get to know who I am as a person and that'll change everything. When I first met him, I didn't understand this, like, this hate against him. I was like, dude, you're literally, like, the sweetest, most genuine person I've ever met. I don't understand this, like, this, what people think of you. And, like, the NFL doesn't, like, they think you're this bad person. And I really couldn't understand it. And I still don't understand it. So I really do believe you are misunderstood. Yeah, I mean, it's just also at, at the punter kicker position, like I said before, like they expect you to act a certain type of way, and I just don't do that. Even when, I don't know, i just never been able to conform, and if I had to conform, i just take off. i walk away. David's kind of like that, too. Like and, what and you journalism. do broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, why would you conform? Yeah. The standouts make it. Like, exactly. Why are you this world's it, too fucking big to be the same. Right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like, you get the same generic questions. Like, you win the Super Bowl or you win the world title. The first question is, how does it feel? Well, how the fuck do you think uh, it feels? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bro. Well, it's, it's obviously feels Good. fucking amazing, That's right? Saying. That's what I'm saying. So, so it's like, the, on that premise alone, like, you know what all the questions are going to be. Why not just switch it up and showcase the personalities? Like, my job as the yeah. schmo is to get the best out of the pro, to showcase the personalities of the sides out of you guys that you don't get from the same generic reporting. I just think the problem with our industry is the majority of people are lazy. They're not willing to be docs. Mm -hmm. It's like the people that are just willing to accept, you know, a 500 record when they go into sport or less than or just happy get a participate participation trophy for showing up it's like no i want to do this because i want to obviously make the most money possible i'm, I'm an entrepreneur mm -hmm. but i obviously want to do something i want to make people react i want to show happiness and i want to provide a whole side of the entertainment side of sport that we don't get before because at the core of it dude, i'm a diehard sports fan that's right. good that's why you need to break away from mma for once in a while to show us other athletes some love because mma already embraces that side of like people they love the personality they love the rivalries and i'm sure you bring that out in them so like yes let's cross that over into other sports Michaela Mayer is pulling the schmo away from MMA for 2021. Yes. <laughs> Breaking news. And you did your job in MMA. They don't need you anymore. We need you now. Well, I just I just think, like, I, I didn't create the character just for MMA. It's all sports. It started with NFL and the NBA. It's just, like, in combat sports, you're only as good as your next fight. And yeah. I just found things to really stick in MMA, and I've always been a huge fan of it. And uh, it just... Uh, it was an easier path to get into to do my shtick because they're more no, real so it's just yes. raw it's more of a raw yeah. sport like yeah. and and the nfl needs to go into that oh, they need to embrace bruh. personalities boxing needs to embrace personalities fuck the o like never like yeah. never lose like come on <laughs> like we're here to entertain we're here to fight we're here to like like let's just go like do stop you know, with these dumbass rules do you know how interesting the nfl would be if they were allowed to be organic there's some funny ass people in, oh, the, in yeah. the NFL locker room and just period. And it's almost like you gotta, I feel like you have to, they see you as being a certain way. And if you're not that way and you, I guess if, if you make the NFL look bad, I'll feel than yourself, then it's an issue. But So I think that's like another next step for what I'm gonna do. Like I'm trying, I don't know what the COVID situation's like. I'm trying to be in the locker rooms this year, like post fight games. And so it's like, if I wanna interview Gruden, I wanna get everybody on the Raiders and all, obviously the Bears are coming in town October 10th. I wanna be in all those post game locker rooms and do the shtick just to see how the reactions are gonna be. It'll be cool. I mean, at the same time. You should do that. Yeah. You should get your personality in there and loosen them the fuck up. Yeah, I just gotta get in there. I gotta, I gotta. That's a whole another side angle too. Just the uh, the whole, you know, access the side connects. Of things. Yeah, you got it in the UFC. 
Yeah. Bro, if I was in there still, I'd just invite you as a family member. I'd just be like, you just look <laughs> a little different, but you're still my brother. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We could do that. We could, we could that certainly works, do that. Yeah. Well, I got to get some first. <laughs> 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 we'll make it happen. Now, uh, we really appreciate you guys both coming on the Schmozone podcast. Let's leave it at this. Uh, final messages you want to get out there to fans and everyone out there. Um, yeah, for me. So I am on the road to Undisputed. I will be going up against Mava Hamadouche, the IBF champ, in October, November. We don't have the date yet, but follow me on Instagram at Michaela Mayer, and I will keep you updated. And so you can tune in if you're in Vegas. It might be here in Vegas. Not sure yet for leaving the bubble, but yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Um, Marquette King here. Got a couple of tunes, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, downloaded the artist name Marquette King. Also, another message that I would like to put out there. Period. Don't let one thing define who you are as a person, because you're bigger than what what that's supposed to be. Like we're sent here to do more than one thing, and one thing doesn't define who we are as people. Amen. Wow. I don't think I could top that. <laughs> so I'll just say really appreciate having you guys on. Keep killing it. We can't wait to watch your next fight. And hopefully we'll be there in the yes, bubble. Yes, if yeah. it's here. I think the bubble, well, we thought the bubble was going to break. But now, you know, look at all the news. Oh, Everything is yeah. coming back. So we'll probably be here. Yeah, I'm going to message Evan. I have a good relationship with Evan. Oh, okay, Top cool. Guy, yeah. Evan Corn. Evan Corn. Yes, good you got to come then. I'll come. Um, Marquette. Uh, Michaela, a power couple, one of the yes. best in all of sports, right here. Yay. Episode 72 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out. <laughs>